You're listening to Flex Coaches Inside the Game. You can also find it on Apple Podcasts and other podcast servers throughout. We're talking with John Flaherty from the Yes Network. So when you retire from the you know, Major League Baseball, what did you think was your next step? How did you fall into broadcasting or did you think of broadcasting? I mean, what were you thinking, your next plan of attack? Do you want to coach? Yeah, my, no, my agent told me he thought I would be a good broadcaster. And when I was playing for the Yankees, he said, try to get on camera as much as you can. Um, but I, first, I wasn't thinking about what's next. I mean, you're, you're thinking about what I have to do today to, to, to win a game. So when I retired, I basically had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to uh, relax and spend time with my family. And I literally had voicemails from four networks the next day on my phone. Don't know how they got my number and said that they wanted to audition me for, for some jobs. So I took about a week off in Florida, came back to New York, and I did an audition with SNY. And I had no idea. I said, why not you know, give this a shot? I uh, was scared to death, had no idea what I was doing. And you know, basically, as I, I left, I said, well, that was terrible. I did a terrible job. And I'm driving home, and my agent calls me, and he said, I had to go and start talking. And he said, well, don't sign anything. George Steinbrenner just saw you on TV with the Mets, with SNY. And he just blew a gasket. And he goes, I, I think, I think you, the Yes Network is going to have to give you a job. So he said, I had another audition the next day with SNY. I go back, I do it again. And literally, um, because George Steinbrenner saw me doing an audition for the Mets, I got a job with the Yes Network. And my boss, John Filippelli, told me, I have no idea how we're going to use you. I, I have all of my, my broadcasters already filled. Um, but I got to give you give you a job, so I'll you know give you a contract for thirty appearances. Don't know what it's going to be, but welcome aboard, and that's how it started. What were some things you you think you know you didn't know, or what were you, what did you think you could bring to the booth that other guys couldn't bring to the booth because of your experience? You know, a lot of times, big time stars, not to knock, but like they're always looking for that, like a Cal Ripken to show up, and all these other guys yeah. to come do broadcasting. But really, the guys who are successful at this are the players like you because it gives you a different perspective of the game. You become more of a student of the game and understand the game at a different level because you have to compete really hard to stay there where like a Jeter doesn't really have – he puts in the work or a Rodriguez, but for them, they're a star in a sense. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's – what was that like for you? Well, first of all, it's great perspective by you on that because it's 100% true. And when I got hired with Yes, uh, my boss still there today, John Filippelli, told me, he said, listen, you're not a David Cohn. You're not a Paul O'Neill. You're going to have to do this better. Um, you're going to have to work at this because you don't have the name that they do. And I took that seriously. And the other thing that he told me, he said, you probably feel like you're not qualified to do this job. And he said, I'm going to tell you that you caught for 14 years in the major leagues. That's your qualification. That's how you got ready for this position. So both of those things, when I ended up getting into the booth, I think served me well. I, you got to be ready. You got to be prepared. You got to do it better than the other guy. And the other part of it is my experience of being behind the plate for 14 years, I think serves me well that I can look at a pitcher and right away I could tell good, bad, or indifferent what's going to happen. Right, I could look at a hitter, and I know what it feels like to struggle. I know what it feels like to, to be in a slump. I know what it feels like to, to hit well. So I think that served me well. And the way I, I kind of approach it is Jim Cott gave me the greatest advice ever. 
right? I, the first game I ever did in the booth, I had a big binder filled with information. And he, he, I'll never forget, he had a cup of coffee in his hand and he's watching batting practice and he looks over and he says, you know where you could take that, that binder? And he said, you know, I won't tell you where he told me to put it, but I, I put it back in my briefcase. And he said, John, you and I are at a bar having a beer, watching a game. We're going to talk baseball. And he said, all of that research and everything that was in that binder, if it's important enough, you're going to remember it and you're going to tell me. He said, but we're having a conversation. So I never, I have not forgotten that to this day, that when I show up to do a game, do your homework, do your research, but have a conversation with the guy that you're working with or guys and with the fans at home and just have a conversation on what you're seeing and try to talk to them at home. So uh, hopefully that style has served me well. What do you like about the job? What do you enjoy about being a broadcaster on the Yes Network? Well, when you get a game that you can actually analyze and and be predictive, right, and, and say, hey, this is where I see this going, um, it doesn't get any better than that, right? I mean, that is, that's what makes our job uh, so enjoyable. You know, listen, I love baseball. I've been doing it since I was seven years old. I love being around the guys. I love being around the game. I love the excitement of it and the energy of it. Um, the one thing that I do miss is that when you leave the booth, it doesn't matter if they won or lost, right? For me, I, I miss that. I miss that the, the wins and losses mattered when I left the clubhouse as a player. When you leave the booth as a broadcaster, you, you want to do a good game, but the wins and losses don't matter so much. You want the Yankees to win because it makes your job easier. Um, but I, I love everything about being around uh, you know, the major leagues, major league organizations, and especially the Yankees, where it's so important to win. And I also enjoy being in a, in a market like New York where you have to tell, tell it like you see it because the New York fans will call you out if you don't, right? <laughs> you, you, can't, you, you can't BS these fans. They're too knowledgeable. So I think growing up in New York helped me that you better call it like you see it. And if somebody's struggling, you have to acknowledge that. If somebody's playing great, you acknowledge that. But you, you, can't, you can't trick these fans in New York. They're too knowledgeable. What was it like, I want to just take a second here too while I got you, to play for Steinbrenner? I mean, was he, did he call guys out? Did he come into the clubhouse? And, you know, he was a fascinating person in, in sports. I mean, very few owners were like him. I mean, what was it about him that made him unique? Well, the first thing is a New York Yankee player, you learn when you become a Yankee. And my first year was 03 that George Steinbrenner and the Steinbrenner family will do everything that they can do to get you to a championship, whether that's bringing in a new player or the facilities, whatever it is, they're going to do it. So from a playing standpoint, playing for George Steinbrenner was a pleasure, right? He, in my years, 03 to 05, he, he wasn't around the team an awful lot. Um, he came down and asked me about a player that he was looking to trade for, and I gave him my honest opinion. Um, ended up trading for the player, and he did pretty well. Uh, he talked to me about the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? I mean, because I was living in Tampa at the time. Um, so very, very different than what I had thought he or what I had heard about from a player's standpoint. Now, from a coaching and managing standpoint, he was a tough man to work for. But from a player's standpoint, uh, boy, it was, it was a pleasure to have an owner who would do whatever it took to try to win. I'm going to give you a chance now to stand on a soapbox as a father 
with youth sports today. Um, you know, you have children, so um, what if your child's going to play in a youth sports organization today, or you know, a couple of years ago with your kids? Um, what should parents look for in a youth sports organization? What are some things that you feel are vital to the, that? To, you know, not every kid's going to do what you did, but for kids to have a positive experience, a wonderful time, what are things you look for as a father or you looked for as a father when your kids played sports? I don't know if it was the organization that I was looking at so much as it was the coach or the manager who had direct influence on my children, right? Um, I was very fortunate, not, not fortunate. I was the type of father that I wanted to be in the background, right? You, as a coach, this was your team, and you have influence over these kids for a couple hours, however long it was, and I was paying more attention to that man or that woman and the life skills that they were teaching my kids. And obviously, if there was a positive influence there, that was going to continue. If it was a negative influence that I didn't like the way it was going, it was not going to continue. So I was very fortunate that my children were around a lot of people that have had a very positive impact on their lives. And to your point, I was very lucky to do what I did for a living. Uh, and I know how hard and how lucky I was to get to that point. But I also know now with perspective that playing sports and, and the life lessons that it teaches you serve myself, my children in their lives that they're going to live the rest of their life. So that I, I paid more attention to the coaches that than anybody else. And, you know, I, I did have a situation where a coach was going to be let go, who I thought was a very positive influence on my son. And as I got up on the soapbox that you were talking about, I, I actually got in front of a, a school board meeting and told them that in the, this world that we're living in, how difficult it is for our children and the negative influences that are outside of the home. Yes. I said, the fact, the fact that my son has a coach that for three hours every day is such a positive influence, I said, that makes my job as a father easier because I know where he is and I know what the influence is. And... I need that influence to continue because I know how difficult it is outside. So it's a long answer to your question, but I paid more. I paid the, the value of a coach isn't for that season. It goes on for the rest of these, these kids' lives. And I mentioned my college coach is like a father to me and a grandfather figure to my kids. That, that's a lifelong relationship and lifelong lessons that have been taught. So it's more along the lines, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, there's a lot of things that are lost today. You know, a lot of kids today, coaches put pressure on them to win at like 10, 11 years old. Um, what do you think are more valuable life skills that kids should pull from a team that they can take with them? You know, like we had Mike Sullivan on from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And one of the things he always asked when his son was being recruited for hockey in college how is the four years at this university or college going to prepare my child for the next 40 years of their life? You know, that's he said. And if you can't answer that question as a coach, you don't belong in that profession. He said, it's serious. He goes, if you can't answer that question, because he goes, you're I'm giving my child to you at a young age, you know, a very impressionable 17 year, 18 year old like you are, you was and I was at one point. But now how are you going to prepare them in that four year window? It's not a long time. 
How are you going to prepare them to get, you know, be prepared for the next 40 years of their lives? I mean, is that how much you look at something like that? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking engagements and, you know, talk about my career a lot. And, and the common theme that comes out of it is I've been playing, being part of a team since I was about eight years old. Right. So teamwork has been so important to me, <clears throat> excuse me, to me. It's the relationship on how you get along with other people. Right. The teamwork and trying to achieve a common goal while working with somebody else. You learn that at a young age. Um, the beauty of baseball, I think, and I learned this uh, through the course of my career with my college coach, John Cassaberry, and some great managers and coaches along the way. All you can do is prepare every day to be successful that night. Now, whether you're successful or not, that's almost beside the point because you wake up the next day and what do I have to do to be successful tonight? You keep working at it. And that's a life lesson that never goes away. I mean, that is, you know, I prepare for my job every day to have a great broadcast. Whether that happens or it doesn't happen, I wake up the next day and I do it all over again. So from a coaching standpoint, I think those are the life lessons. The wins and the lo losses, yeah, we all get judged on them, right? But it's the process of getting there and being prepared to try to win or being prepared, unfortunately, to lose. And how do you handle that? And how do you get up the next day? Those are, those are the lessons. Those are what we're going to take with the rest of our lives. So I learned that some, from some pretty special people early on. Don't pay attention as much to the end result. Pay attention to how you got there and what you were trying to achieve and how prepared you were every day to try to win. I always end with two good questions. And my first one is, best piece of advice that was ever given to you? Who gave it to you? What was it? And do you still use it today? <laughs> wow. Um, that's putting me on the spot, Chris. And I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Is it a multitude I, of people or is it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of what I was just talking about. I mean, I had, um, I had a great catching instructor, Gary Tuck, with the New York Yankees. And he was with the Red Sox. All these great teams. And it, it's amazing how you remember things, but it was, he basically were told we we're throwing the second base, right? And we're working on our footwork and working on this. And he said, all you can control is the process. You can't control the result, right? So I, I hate to say it, but something as simple as that, I think is the way I live my life today, being away from competitive uh, major league baseball. All you can control is how you go about your business. A lot of times you can't control what the end result is, but you can control the day-to-day -day and being prepared and doing the right things. So it, it's kind of boring, I think, but uh, I think it's the way I, I live my life every day. Control what you can control and don't worry so much about the end result. One thing that you can learn from failure that you can take with life. What's one thing that you can just, you know, or there are a multitude of things you can learn from failure? There are a multitude of things, but I, I think the greatest gift that you can take from losing is how you go about it the next day after you've lost. That's, I mean, and it, it's immediate for me, right? You lose, you digest what happened, why did this happen? And then immediately it's, what do I have to do to get better? And the game of baseball, I always relate it to the game of baseball, but I'm sure it, it was part of my upbringing um, in my tough Irish household, which was find a way, right? Find a way. And it was, it was every day, whether, you know, 
and you get into 162 games of a major league season, you're going to lose. How do you get up the next morning? And it better be immediate on how to get better to win the next day. So, um, again, I think it's kind of boring, but it's, uh, it's, it's the way I've gone about it for so long. I don't know anything differently. It's I, I really try to get after it during the day and be prepared on whatever I'm doing and then enjoy what you're doing. And if you win, great. If you lose, figure out why. Let's do it again tomorrow. Well, I want to thank you for your time and your insights, Sean. This has been fascinating to talk. It's always good to talk to everybody, but it's great to talk to you, a fellow New Jersey guy in a sense, because I went to school in Oradell, Riverdale, and you went to St. Joe's. We're the same age. Yeah. So wish you all the best, and thank you very much for taking some time with us on Flex Coaches inside the game. Thanks, Chris. I really enjoyed it, buddy. That was John Flaherty from the S Network here on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coaches.